0: man, if it was not for the cross, I'm looking at my sin that's currently residing within my body and I'm looking at the sin that I've already done yeah. and I'm like, man, I would be, I should be and I would be headed for destruction if it
1: were not for the cross.
2: I preach Christ crucified, see
0: me, I die, to he who lives in the Hello, welcome to Wartime Theology, a show recorded from Wake Forest, North Carolina, by a couple of Reformed Christians who want to tackle su- theological and societal issues for the glory of God. My name is Alex. And
2: I'm Joshua.
0: And we both attend the college at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary here. Uh, today we're going to be talking about what true humility and weakness, biblical weakness, looks like in the Christian life. The purpose of this podcast is to converse about issues that are important to the evangelical community and seek to provide insightful commentary that ultimately brings glory to Christ and helps build the Christian listener. We ask and answer the questions that everybody is afraid to tackle with open Bibles. If you'd like any uh, topics you'd like discussed, be sure to DM us on our Instagram account and we'll be sure to tackle that for you. All right. Josh, you want to start us off with some prayer, man?
2: Yeah. Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for allowing us to be here and to um, record this podcast, Lord. I just pray that you would use it not only to bless the lives of those who listen, but also for our own sake, God, that uh, we would be humbled by your word and that we would pay attention and listen to your word and act- actively speak your word throughout our lives, God. I just pray that... We would be humbled as little children and come to you and i would pray that you would forgive us of any sins and let our words that we speak be spoken in truth and love Mm. and i thank you and praise you for all that you do for us in jesus name i pray amen amen so i'm going to go ahead and start with second corinthians 12 starting at verse 5 on behalf of this man i will boast but on my own behalf I will not boast except of my weakness. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." So this idea of biblical weakness, you know, what is it? What? Why would Paul want to boast about his weakness? You know, he says that he has lots of things that he could boast in in the sense of accomplishments he's done, and he would be telling the truth. Like he could say, I've been to Jerusalem and to Rome and preach the gospel in both places. I, I don't know if he could have said that at this time, but mm-hmm. he eventually could say that or... He had gone to the Gentiles before the other apostles had. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Paul, out of pretty much anybody else, had reason to boast. He had, out of all the Jews, he claimed, and it's it's easy to believe him, that he had the most impressive track record or the most impressive resume. And he, he even seems to acknowledge in that passage that if it were not for this weakness that were given to him by God, he would just be like any other boaster. Um, that he seems to indicate that he in his nature would naturally boast if he were not constantly reminded of his own weakness. And we don't really, you know, we were talking, we don't really know exactly what that weakness that was given to him was, right. that, that constantly tormented him or that he was constantly in his mind, whether that, you know, whatever it may be, whether it was physical or mental or emotional, spiritual, whatever. Um, we don't really know what that that was, but uh but God allowed it to be there. How would you say this view of God like allowing or even sovereignly placing it in in somebody's life like Paul, especially like Paul, how would this run in the face of today's conception of who God is?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, our conception of God today or a lot of new age folks, or modern folks, would be this idea that we're only supposed to be receiving. And God's kind of like, you know, people say a personal genie or something like that, where they're just receiving. Whereas this is actively God. This is is God giving him something. He is receiving, but it's the opposite of what he would like to receive. Mm -hmm. It's actually weakness. And he does this not to necessarily weaken Paul. He actually strengthens Paul through this, if you read it. But he strengthens him by showing him how weak he is, because it's only by seeing how weak you are that you can receive the strength that comes from Christ. And that's what we want to talk about today, that the reason so many people are missing out on the strength of Christ and they're unable to cope with the simple problems, of you know, simple first world problems, is a good way to put it, is because they think that they are strong on their own. And not only that, but that keeps us from deepening our relationship with Christ because now we don't think we need Christ. And this is the same idea that we get from American culture is kind of this comfortable. We have so much that we're blessed with so many things that we just don't make time for God because we have all these other things to fulfill our satisfaction. You know, we just go from one thing to the next, whether it's TV, video games, playing sports, meeting with people, I mean, we have so much money compared to the average citizen of the world, even today. But especially in the past, that it's absolutely insane. We can be doing something 24-7. Whereas most people, they, ha- they had time where they just weren't doing anything. There was no way other way to get around it. They just had time where they weren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. Where they were just working, but they were still left with their thoughts. And that forced them to have to think about these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Whether they use that to glorify God or not, that was up to the individual. But the fact is, is that they still had to think about these things, whereas we can distract ourselves pretty much constantly.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, that's a good word. You know, you will find Josh and I to be, I think, one of the foremost defenders of traditional Western culture, you know these ideas of how we should be independent, you know, and and self-sufficient and these things. And, you know, those are good to some extent. But uh, an individualism, that's another good idea that generally is good because we have individual responsibility towards right. God, right? But I think nowadays, especially, we've taken it to such an extent to where it's this hyper-individualism, this hyper-self-dependence, it's self-independence, To where our whole lives are about strengthening ourselves to where we don't need anything else, you know. And that's the extent to which we pass the biblical boundaries that have been set for us, right? Because we're supposed to be totally dependent on God. We're supposed to be completely, I don't know another good word other than dependent. We're supposed to be completely dependent upon God. Uh, In Psalm 127, it says, "...unless the Lord builds a house, its labors labor over it in vain." unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. So we can be doing all these things just like you were saying. We can be distracting ourselves in all these different ways and and, you know, even doing good things for ourselves, like like right. strengthening ourselves physically or, or emotionally, like making ourselves healthier people. And those those not those aren't bad things. But when they get to an extent to where we, we, we feel or we we have the uh the idea that we we don't really need God anymore, that's when and we so easily get to that place too. But that's when God really has to come in. And it really does take God's intervention to get us out of that. And that can be said in, in a salvific way. But also in just like the daily life of the Christian, it's like when we get to that point we are in we are in trouble, even though we don't realize it, we're in trouble when we think that we do not need God. When we've become completely independent, which is what exactly the culture is saying. And even some right. even some Christian culture, like Elevation Church and these other groups and stuff, they seem to indicate that it's all about strengthening yourself and making yourself independent, whereas it's really all about dependence on God and being weak before Him and humble before Him.
2: Yeah, and this is kind of an issue of mixing politics, or political cultures with the Christian culture or Christianity in the sense that individualism, this idea of individual responsibility, I think that's the word I want to use, individual responsibility, that is from the Bible. But there is also a collective side from the Bible this idea that we're all part of the church, for Mm -hmm. instance, that's Mm -hmm. a collective side. Mm -hmm. We are one body, one mind in Christ Jesus. You know, that's the collective side of the church. But the independence is important in one sense, that we are to be independent from sin, free from sin, the liberty to not be able to sin anymore, to be free from the desire to sin mm-hmm. and slave to the desires of God. So there is the independence and dependence before we had dependence on sin, dependence on ourselves, to where we are incapable of separating ourselves from our sins and our desires. And we were independent from God. We didn't want to have anything to do with him. And then when we become Christians on the flip side, we get dependence on God and we're independent from the world and independent from flesh. And we can choose not to follow those desires. And we, as we get more and more dependent on God, our desires grow more and more towards God and away from the world.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, there's another scripture in Ephesians 3, verse 8. And it's Paul, he's also talking about, similar to the passage you read, Josh, in yeah. 2 Corinthians when he's talking about, just like the thing that has been entrusted to him. Like he's been entrusted with these awesome spiritual realities. Like he was one of the first apostles who did an amazing ministry and who was seen as like one of the holiest men to ever live. And he's talking about he's talking about how he views himself. And he's talking about how if God had not humbled him, then he would then he would have looked at the amazing responsibility that God gave him and he would have said, oh, I can either, I can do this by myself or it's in some way about me. You know, so these ideas would naturally spring from his mind. Right. You know, in Romans 7, he talks about how there's nothing good within him. So Paul, this amazing apostle who did amazing things for God in Ephesians 3, 8 says, this grace was given to me the least of all the saints. He calls himself the least of all the saints. So this grace, this man who we who we consider to be the greatest of all the saints considered himself genuinely he's not just saying these words so right. he can seem more spiritual he he genuinely considered himself to be the least of all the saints in terms of what he felt he deserved because of his sin right. that's that's one way it's like if we don't have some physical infirmity right if we're not, if we're like we're fit or we have you know, we have a good sharp mind or things like that. Like it can be hard for us and we're, and we're well taken care of in our life. It can be hard for, for, and that's what you described. Pretty much every American is like to, to some extent. Right. We have been given so much comfort. And so it's so easy for us to fall into this, this unhealthy independence. But it, it can be hard sometimes it feels to wake ourselves up and really show ourselves how weak we are. But the way Paul seems to have done it is to, to look at his sin, to look at his sin, either either the sin that he couldn't get away from, as he says in Romans 7, that he was constantly striving with, that he was constantly fighting against and trying to kill, that was enslaving him, you know, that was existed within his flesh, but that his spirit was fighting against. Uh, that's one, one way he did it. Or by looking at the sins of the past, like looking at the sins of the present and looking at the sins of the past. Those are two ways we can really humble ourselves before god and then like when we're in this uh, mindset of like man look at what i've done like look at what i've done like i'm i'm not good i'm 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 wicked i'm sinful i do these i do these terrible things and and i don't want to do them because this new nature has been given to me and then that's when we can look to the cross and then it's like oh he paid for it. Like I've been forgiven. And that creates that, that exchange right there should be something that's continual, should be something that's daily happening between us and God. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it creates this inseparable bond of dependence between us and God to where, man, if it was not for the cross, I'm looking at my sin that's currently residing within my body. And I'm looking at the sin that I've already done. And I'm like, man, I would be, I should be, and i would be headed for destruction if it were not for the cross. Yeah. And that mindset, man, just creates this it just creates this fire like thank you god so much lord i'll do anything for you, you know? And uh because we are weak. Mm. People don't like the words we're saying right now. People do not <laughs> like this conversation. The no. reason they don't like this conversation is cuz they don't want to be told they're weak. They don't want to be told that they that their essential nature, who they are, is not good, as Stephen Furtick wants to say, or as some of these other preachers want to say, is not good, but is actually bad. Is actually yeah. inherently rebellious and sinful against a great God. But man, when when we when we fully grasp it and we don't shy away from our own sin, that's when it allows us to just fall on the feet of fall at the feet of Jesus before the throne and say, Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Like, we're totally dependent on you. Thank you. Like, apart from you, I would be in hell. Apart from you, I would be, you know, fill in the blank. I would be depressed. I would be pursuing my own destruction. And I I, I rather really want to put this in before I give it back over to you. There's this lyric in this song by this rapper, his name is Shylin. We've talked about him all the time. <laughs> uh highly recommend if you're into rap, go check out Shylin. But in one of his songs, he talks about, I think it's in his song called Dedication, but it's a song that he's rapping worship to God. And he's saying, one of the one of the lines says, God, I need you to subdue yeah. my corruption. I need you to subdue my corruption. If you do not. I will foolishly pursue my destruction. And I love that because it's, it puts on full display this attitude that says, God, if it were not for your work on the cross in the past, but if it were also not for your current work in holding me back from my own sinfulness, Lord, I would and I will, if you do not hold me back, Lord, I will foolishly pursue my destruction. And that's just awesome, man.
2: (laughs) Yeah, wow. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. What's interesting is with Paul, going back to what you were first saying, and i will get to some of your other points as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sorry, I kind of went on a tangent there.
2: No, that was great. (laughs) Uh, It's not really a tangent. It's what we're talking about. Right, right, exactly. uh, Going with what Paul, you know, with what Paul was struggling with and the idea that he considered himself the least of all the saints. You know, he went around murdering at least consenting to murder and imprisoning the Jews who believed in Christ. You know, he persecuted the Christians very heavily. I was listening to a sermon by John Piper that was, he was talking about how, in a sense, he held on to that. He didn't let it go. He didn't move on from it. You know, if there's something that debilitates you, he was talking about if there's something that debilitates you, You don't necessarily need to just move on from it, but rather you hold on to it. You hold on to that weakness so that God's strength can be shown through you. That Mm. even though, you know, you did something terrible in your past or even though you struggle with something, despite that, God still uses you Mm. amazingly. And because of that thing, you know it's not you who's doing it. Mm. Because who would have allowed some, you know, Christian murderer to come into their, the Christian camp and start, you know, preaching the gospel so. That's right. It took a work of God mm. to bring Paul not only to the point to where he became a Christian, switched his idea around, but to the point where the disciples also trusted him. Yeah. You know, it took people like Barnabas mm. to bring him in because honestly, I mean, if you just imagine like Hitler, I don't know, you know, going to the Jews and be like, "Hey, I changed my mind. I'm on your side now." I think they would have probably tried to shoot him on the spot. <laughs> You know, if it happened in I don't know, 1943 or something, no one would have believed yeah. him. Yeah. So it definitely shows the power and the strength of God mm. that he holds that with him. But despite that, he's still able to show, do these great things so that he can show the power of God. He says that he's weak, you know, and this is something with, you know, with like coronavirus right now. The reason Christians aren't ready to deal with it is because they're so... Independent from God, Hmm. that they, for the vast majority of us doing with this right now, it's still better than it was, you know, a year ago and like 90% of the world's nations if you were a Christian. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'd rather, I mean, if just going by safety, I'd rather be in America during coronavirus with a health debilitation than in China as a Christian, period. You know what I'm saying? Because you're more likely to die in that scenario, Mm -hmm, mm you're more likely to get persecuted in that scenario. Mm So this idea, I mean, God's just stripping back one tiny little layer to show us our weakness. And we completely crumble. Yep. We just absolutely crumbled. Yep. For the, the vast majority of us just crumbled before. him, And I think that's a good thing. That was supposed to humble us. And mm-hmm. I hope it did humble us mm-hmm. you know, to the point that we realize, wow, we are completely useless without God. Yep. This little empire we built up, he can just snap it all away instantly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's nothing. It's mm-hmm. complete trash. It's the dung heap that, you know, Paul says everything before him. Yep. Everything before Christ was just dung. It was useless. And as Christians, we need to drop the empires that we're building our little self made independent empires where we are self sufficient from God yeah. and come to dependence on Him for every single thing, even if it looks like we don't need dependence on Him from that thing mm-hmm. because you do. Yeah. Like I said, Paul's. Not he didn't become conceited yet, but he still needed the help of God to not become conceited. He didn't see that, but he did after. Right. So this idea of like, even if like, let's say I'm a millionaire. I might not seem to have to have financial dependence on God, but I still need to be financially dependent on God. And looking to him with what to do with my finances, rather than. If you want to comment on that, you can go ahead and.
0: No, I mean I think that's really good. Um, I know. For myself, maybe just commenting on you know I, I won't. <laughs> I won't explicitly state how terrible I am, though I, I and mean, the specific ways my own sin manifests itself, but you know, coronavirus. I'm sure as it as it's effect every Christian, like it's it's it for me. It it I definitely felt that. I definitely felt like oh. the Lord just humbled me by showing me yeah you're not all that great alex yeah you're not all you're not that confidence that you would built up in yourself yeah that's uh look at look at what happens when i when i touch it with my little pinky finger oh yeah. it just it just topples right over you know that's um, the same for me yeah
2: uh, it's been a very humbling experience and one thing we'd like to say is we're not strong <laughs> oh no and one of the amazing things is is that all the good things we see in the church, all the things that we see in each other all the spiritual things any growth any good work that's all from Christ mm-hmm. it's not from us and yep. that's something we need to tell ourselves every yep. day yep and weakness Well, I think one of the reasons we don't like weakness is because it leaves us vulnerable mm-hmm. it, it leaves us vulnerable and humble. but here's the good thing you know even though people might take advantage of our weakness you know if we really humble ourselves to the point where we can be taken advantage of constantly there is, you know, our God who says that vengeance is mine, I will repay. He doesn't just let us let his people take advantage. He says that if anyone causes these little ones to sin, it's better than a, that a millstone be hung around his neck and he'd be thrown to the sea. Mm. You know, we are his little ones. You mm-hmm. know, this idea of if we're coming to him on full dependence, if we're like the little tiny children coming to him. And that's, I'm going to read some verses on that in just a second. Okay. Then even... If someone comes and attacks us, you know, it's like the dad, he's going to come protect his children. You know, Mm -hmm. we might be humiliated because of how vulnerable we become to people. But that's not, doesn't mean we need to stop being vulnerable. I think that's what people are afraid of. They like, well, I don't want to get hurt. No, the Bible says that you're going to get hurt. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. going to have, you're going to suffer, Mm -hmm. but you have a father who's going to protect you. And that's going to repay you for what the hurt that you have received. Mm -hmm. So, become vulnerable yeah allow you put yourself in that position where you're helping people to the point where they're taking advantage of you Mm -hmm. you know we need to that kind of humility you know go the extra mile if your brother you know slaps you on the cheek you turn the other one and let him slap that one as well that's right if he asks you to go one mile you go the other mile with him Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this idea of humility of putting everything on the line for your brothers and sisters and if they hurt you because of your vulnerability that's not on you to stop being vulnerable that's on them and god will repay that hopefully they will repent and trust in christ if mm-hmm. they haven't already in which the payment is being received by christ and you have no right to say anything there because he already paid for all your sin you know what right. i'm saying right so you know rejoice for the brother who has come to you and repented yeah but um If he doesn't, then he will be paying for those sins in hell and he will receive his fiery payment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I liked what you said, man. That was, that was really good. Uh, You, you touched on a little thing there at the beginning um, when you were talking about how, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we, Josh and I, like we, especially, we, the reason we created this podcast was not because we wanted to flex our spiritual muscles you know Mm -hmm. it's not because we wanted to show everybody how spiritual we are or to to create a place for ourselves in the evangelical world or something silly like that you know we'll be the first ones to to let you know that we are we are the most sinful people we know Alex Renner to Alex Renner is the least of all the saints. Uh, just like Paul says, I know myself better than anyone. Well, I'd say God knows me more than I do, but uh, I know myself second place, I guess, and I know myself a lot. And to the extent that I know myself, I haven't seen anything good. <laughs> yeah. the, the the movie of Alex Renner has not been a good one. It's been more like a thriller than yeah. any type of drama or something. Um, and it's been gross. I've seen myself. I've seen my own wickedness. I've seen my own sinfulness. I've seen my own inner I mean inner evil heart like it's hard for me to say that it's hard for people to say that that to confess that 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 my myself Alex Renner has a crappy heart and without God's intervention just like that lyric we talked about earlier without God's intervention I will I will pursue my destruction without humbling I will boast of myself I will sin and without God's constant intervention in my life I will display who Alex Renner really is. If, if the culture wants to tell me, be myself, I'll be myself. Uh, but it'll always end in sin. It'll always be, if Alex Renner truly becomes himself, who he really is, it'll always be sinful. It'll always be evil. It'll always end in sin. And, uh, you know, that's what we're trying to humbly suggest to our listeners is to really accept that identity. Because that's what the Bible says. Not because we want you to you know, degrade yourself, but because that's what the Bible says we are.
2: Yeah, the whole whole idea of why we're even doing this podcast is not so that we can point you to us and be like, you know, come listen to us, but so that we can point you to the one who's doing, if there's any good in us, he's the one doing it. Yeah. Because there's not much good in us, but (laughs) what is there is all Christ. Yes. And we want to point you to him. To full dependence on him. Because let me tell you, me and Alex still mess up all the time. Oh, yeah. We still suck. Yes, for sure. (laughs) We're still terrible sinners. um, And we struggle with all sorts of different things. Yes. And it's hard. And we're weak. And we don't deserve second chances. But God's, you know, the VeggieTales song. (laughs) God's a God of second chances. Yes. (laughs) Third chances. And fourth chances. Yeah. you know, 490 chances, that's to, right. seven times 70. 70
0: times seven,
2: that's right. Yeah, this idea that he is willing to forgive us and what he really wants us to do. And this is the secret, let me tell you, this is the secret to the Christian life. This is how you live holy. It's not doing all these different things to make yourself more holy. It's coming to the feet of Jesus every second of your life. And just sitting there and abiding in him that's mm. what he says in john he says if you abide in me then i in you. you know that's what it's like that's how we bear fruit you mm-hmm. abide in the vine and the fruit will come yeah
0: apart from the vine you can do nothing
2: that's right yeah. apart from him you can do nothing nothing absolutely nothing mm-hmm. that's how weak you are yep and we need to come to terms with that it's not an idea of that we are making ourselves weak because you're already weak. You don't have to make yourself (laughs) weak. You are weak. Yes. I'm weak. Yeah. Alex is weak. That's right. We are absolutely weak. We want to come as the little children. I'm going to read uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. The children were brought to him that he may lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Jesus wants us to come as little children. This idea of like a little baby being completely dependent on his parents. And he's constantly crying. You know, I have a cat. And in the morning, he he makes a lot of noise because he wants food. And let me tell you, it is the most annoying thing ever to have to wake up at 530 and feed this stupid cat. Okay? But... That's not how God is with us. When he hears the little baby crying, you know, when he hears us crying out to him and calling for his help and his dependence or that we become dependent on him, this idea that we're calling for him because we need him, he loves that. That's (laughs) what he wants.
0: That's right, yeah. He
2: wants to come and help us. He wants to feed the cat in a sense. (laughs) He wants to be there as the father, fully supplying every need that we have. And so all we need to do is keep coming to him. Mm. You know, if we keep resting to him, you know, it's like the the hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full into his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Mm. You know, that's how we stop sinning. You know, <laughs> That's how we stop, we overcome these struggles. It's not by doing any works or trying to become holy. Holy just means set apart. You know what that means? You're set apart from the world. You're set with Christ. Yeah. You're setting yourself apart from the world. You're holy. He, The Lord is holy, holy, holy. He's set apart, set apart, set apart. Right. We are set apart from this world and we need to be set to Christ. So that's how you become holy. You yeah. set yourself with Christ. Yeah. You put yourself with Him by reading His Word, by praying, by coming to Him with every single one of your needs hmm. and just by Showing your love through him by obeying him.
0: Yeah, yeah. It the way you stop sinning isn't by trying to stop sinning. The way you stop sinning is by tasting and see seeing that the Lord is good. That's it's right. by and the way you do that is just like you said, like singing songs and and worshiping the Lord and 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 reading His Word. These are ways that we set our eyes upon Jesus. And we'll, dude, when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, you, you try to present. Uh, sin to me when I have a, you, you try to present a, a bale of, uh, you know, a, a bucket of slop to me when I, when I got my eyes on a turkey that's sitting right in front of me. <laughs> I, I'm not, Why are you joking? I'm not going to want to, I don't want that slop. I have the, sure. I have the most delicious turkey of all time. And that's what we have in Jesus. He is the, he is the ultimate sustenance for us, you know, and when, and, and when we, when our taste buds are set on the sun we cannot desire the slop. Right. You know? It's
2: not, the reason Jesus never sinned wasn't because he didn't have desires for different things. Like when that, when Satan tempted him with the bread, you don't think he had a desire to eat. Yeah. He definitely did. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. He was in every human in every way. Mm-hmm. The reason he never sinned is because his desire for his father was always greater than any other desire he had. Mm-hmm. And we know that because before he went on the cross, he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. Mm-hmm. He's talking to the father. The reason he went to the cross was because his father told him to do it. That's right. And so that's that's the fulfillment of the law, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Putting God first, his mm-hmm. will first, the will of the father first. Mm. that Jesus did that in every step of his life. If he hadn't, if he put his own will on the same level, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. But no, he put his Father's will first and Mm. foremost over his own will, even to the point of the cross. Mm. Wow, thank God for that.
0: (laughs) For sure, man. Thank God that he found superior satisfaction. I like that term, superior satisfaction in his Father over over anything else he 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 got he found the most pleasure it said jesus said to his disciples after uh, he witnessed to the woman at the well he said i have a food that you do not know about mm. i find my sustenance in doing the will of him who sent me
2: yes
0: his superior satisfaction wasn't in bread it wasn't in physical sustenance it wasn't in whatever in the in sin or or in sex or in in any of these other silly pleasures right it was in doing the will of him who sent him. It right. was in doing the will of the Father. It was in it was in finding his pleasure and his joy in the Lord.
2: And the same should be for us. Yep. Finding the same pleasure in the Lord. He set that example for us. And yeah. One of the best ways we can do that, like you're saying, reading, praying, but I also want to mention preaching the gospel to yourself. This mm-hmm. idea that you keep, because in the gospel, like I've, we said before on the podcast, the full attributes of God are on display. And so you can see all the attributes of God fully on display and you'll never find the end of those attributes. You can keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And so it's only when we stop doing that, that we start to struggle more. And so we really need to be preaching the gospel to ourselves. We need to be reading God's word because that's where he speaks to us. And we need to be praying to him, Mm. giving all of our needs and dependence on him. Mm. You know, pray without ceasing. That's one of the... Words that the Bible teaches us, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's a good word. I don't know if you had anything else, but I figure we might wrap it up. So uh, there was a there was a quote that I re- just recently read, and it wasn't too long ago. It fits in right with what we, what we've been talking about today, and I don't know the quote word for word, but it's by this. It's by the Prince of Preachers, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. If you ever if you ever if you've never heard of him, go look him up. He's a wonderful godly man who lived in the. 19th century and um the quote was essentially saying once you have hit the the realization or once you have come to the to the knowledge that you are he said something along, along the lines of completely wicked or completely sinful he says then you have hit the truth <laughs> and then there's another uh, i love that because it goes really well with this other quote that he that he's famous for and the quote is for every one look at yourself, give three or four looks to Christ. Mm. So once you've hit that realization, playing off the two quotes here, once you hit that realization that you're utterly, utterly sinful, utterly weak in need of God's grace and, and in need of his intervention, yeah. then don't just, don't, don't just dwell there. dwell there because, but, but realize that it is the truth. You're, you're, that is the truth about yourself, but right. don't just dwell there. Don't just try to beat yourself and say, stop sinning, stop sinning. Uh, look to Christ. Look mm-hmm. to Christ. For every one look that you look at yourself, take four looks to Christ. And man, he will bless your spirit. And you will desire to obey him and you will desire to love him as you see what he did for you on the cross, uh, something completely undeserved that you or Josh or I did not deserve at all, but he He found it pleasing, so he did it. He had mercy on us, and we're just along for the ride. Praise God. Praise God.
2: If you gained anything from this, I hope it's that you realize the importance of being weak and vulnerable before God and before man Hmm. so that the strength of God may be fully shown through you, Hmm. that it's Him doing the work, not you. That's going to bring power to what you say yes not your power which is good because you don't have any (laughs) that's right his power (laughs) yeah so let us be weak and vulnerable with each other and let us serve one another one quick verse it shall not be so among you but whoever is great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave even as the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom of men for many Look to the Son, Hmm. right? That's what that just said. Even as the Son of Man, looking to Him, He's like, I'm giving you this example right here of what that true servanthood looks like, that true humility looks like, that true weakness looks like, Hmm. putting yourself down and putting others before you and coming to Christ, coming doing the will of your Father. So it's okay to be weak. It's okay to be vulnerable. Know that your Father sees you as a little child, and he will take care of his children. Yeah. Amen. You want to close us in prayer?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Lord Jesus Christ, we love you. We thank you for this superior satisfaction of obeying you, of obeying your Father, of obeying the Holy Spirit. Lord, for the superior satisfaction that is found in doing the will of the father lord may that be our heart song may that be our heart cry not only josh and i but everyone who's listening every person in the church um, let that be our heart cry thank you for salvation thank you for the justification you earned for us thank you for looking down at these sinful weak people who arrogantly strut about, as C.S. Lewis said, arrogantly strut about as if we are the talk of the town, Mm -hmm. as if we are anything but worthless in your sight. Um, You look down at people like that and you said, I'm going to save them, not because they are worthy to be saved. In fact, they're the exact opposite. They deserve condemnation in hell. Um, But you said, I'm going to save them for the glory of my son, I'm going to save them so that my son would be glorified and so that I could bring them into, into the fold, into the, into the sheepfold, and adopt them and treat them as my little children because it pleases me. And I know that that's, um, what is ultimately valuable. Lord, what, what is ultimately valuable is your will. And Lord, we recognize in, in front of you now that we are weak, mm. that we apart from you can do no good thing, that we, apart from you, as Paul said, um, can bear no fruit apart from the vine. So Lord Jesus, would you keep us connected to the vine? Would you continually be active in our lives in keeping us connected to, to the water, to the, to, the, to the tree of life, to the source of life? Um, we love you. We praise you. We ask that you would humble us. We ask that you would destroy us, uh, destroy us in the sense of destroying our pride, destroying our confidence, destroying our self-independence that we so lean towards. Let us be completely dependent and weak before the throne so that you may use us as malleable tools for your purposes.
1: Mm.
0: We love you, Jesus. We thank you again for salvation. Holy Spirit, keep us Enable us to be holy, as we look to the sun and not to ourselves, because uh, when we look to ourselves, we see nothing but dead end. Um, we love you, Jesus. We thank you, in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen well we hope you enjoyed this uh, episode of wartime theology if you have any other topics you like discussed be sure to dm us on our instagram page at wartime theology